welcome to this month's edition of the Hewitt Fertility Centre podcast. These podcasts are aimed at giving you a greater insight into what it is that we do here at the centre and how we could possibly help you. This month's podcast is on the subject of counselling, how, aside from physical treatment, we help our patients with whatever issues they may be having. This month I'm joined by Patricia Lambert and John Libbett, Senior Counsellors here at the Hewitt Fertility Centre. Welcome to this month's edition of the Hugh Fertility Centre podcast. This month we'll be discussing counselling, uh, why it is that we offer counselling and why we feel that it's so important for our patients and how it could possibly help you. This month I'm joined by Patricia Lambert and John Lippert, members of our counselling team. Uh, hello guys. Hello. 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 Um, so we'll dive right in. Can you give us a quick brief outline of what it is that you do, the services that you offer? So as a, as a counselling team, there are four of us in the team and we offer support to patients before, during and after treatment. Um, counselling isn't compulsory, but we certainly encourage people to think about taking it up because it can be really helpful. Um, I've certainly seen people uh, at the end of treatment who've said, I wish I'd come earlier on. So I think some people are worried about seeing us in advance because they think that we might stop them going ahead. Do you, do you think that? Yeah, I think people are getting a bit nervous about uh, cancelling still and there's some taboo associated with that and you know maybe worried that it will appear on their notes or they might be seen as unfit to, to have treatment. So, you know, there is a lot of anxiety around, um, you know, looking for, for support and especially cancelling. Uh, but we do encourage, um, you know, for, for patients to... Um, you know, be referred or to 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 ask her for support at any time, really. Um, any time they feel it's getting a little bit too difficult. Um, any parts of the treatment before, uh, like John just said, before, during, or after treatment. Um, and um, people have, uh, you know, often said that it was very helpful. Uh, they have benefited um, from counselling for many different reasons, either to help them cope with the anxiety of starting with treatment, not knowing what to expect and uh, managing their stress levels or if things haven't really worked out for them, how to deal with uh, treatment that hasn't been successful, which can be you know, obviously very devastating at times. Mm. Mm. I think what you said about confidentiality is important as well. I think uh, we try and keep our work a little bit separate from everybody else. You know, mm. We are obviously part of the team here at the Hewitt Centre, but... Um, we don't generally write anything in patients' clinic files. We keep our own notes that are separate and they're mm. locked away. Nobody sees them apart from us. We don't generally share information with other members of the team unless there's a real pressing need for us to do that. Um, do you so, find that that's beneficial to patients, that they feel that there's a, a kind of a, a ring fence around mm. the council and that you think it's, it's, it's helpful to them that it's organised in that way? Definitely, um, because people, you know, open up and talk about very personal and intimate stuff and then obviously they want to feel that this is protected and safe and that doesn't appear uh, in any other parts of their file or is not discussed with any members of the team mm. um, and they need to feel safe and that that's uh, hugely important and that's why confidentiality is very strict uh, in with that regard. I suppose yeah. a manner of trust is very important in what you do every day yeah. isn't it but probably as much if not more so than the, the clinical um, yeah. Yeah, I think in any counselling relationship, you've got to have that 
uh, that sense of you've got to feel safe and, and confident in your counsellor and it's about the relationship between the two of you or the three of you if there's a couple we're working with um, it's that that kind of that makes counselling work really so mm. yeah people have got to feel confident and safe that what they're discussing isn't going to go anywhere else really mm. Mm. it's one of the reasons people come and see us is because uh, we offer that confidential space that's, that's different to talking to a friend or family member mm. you know and because we're not involved in their life they don't have to worry about us or, or, or censor themselves and hold back and worry about what we might think or say because mm. it's not about that you know so we we might react in a little bit differently than, than friends or family might do very yeah. much so we're a lot more neutral we offer that space for for reflection and to get people to understand the reasons why they respond the way they do psychologically and emotionally it makes sense of their experience really mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we're not there to tell them what to do or give them advice uh, that they typically hear from friends or family uh, that sometimes can be very frustrating so we are very neutral in that way but um, still proactive as well not neutral mm -hmm. as in we're, we're not uh, saying anything we obviously give um, a lot of feedback um, to to help people understand themselves better and develop uh, better coping mm -hmm. strategies as well really yeah cool so you're equipping people obviously to to go forward or go through the process mm. as well as maybe at the end of the process to move forward on yeah. top of that. Mm. Okay. So, we, well, I mean, we've touched on my next question quite a lot there, but if we can maybe go into a little bit more detail is, is why do you feel that it can be so important for patients in a, not just maybe a mental sense, but a physical sense? Of, I, I personally, I've read some reports of how kind of obviously de depression and anxiety, which obviously you deal with, can affect fertility in a very physical way. Mm. It's something people talk about with us a lot, isn't it? That they, they have this idea that being stressed or anxious is going to affect their, their outcome of their treatment. Um, but of course, there's nothing like saying, don't be stressed to make you more stressed. <laughs> yeah? So, yeah, so it's something that I think we can help just to kind of, as, as Patricia said, sort of normalise it really and, and, and help people to realise that actually you're in a stressful situation so you will be feeling stressed mm -hmm. and, and help people to kind of accept that and accommodate that mm -hmm. and that in itself maybe reduces the stress levels of mm -hmm. people to realise that what they're experiencing is normal mm -hmm. and actually it's unrealistic to, to, be, to be expect to be not stressed. Yes. Yeah? Mm -hmm. So if you, you're kind of feeling anxious and then you feel anxious about feeling anxious mm -hmm. on top, you know, if you can just at least take that top layer off yes. and mm -hmm. say, yes, there will be times when it's anxiety-provoking and stressful, mm -hmm. but that's okay that's that okay can just be reassuring mm. yes. I don't know what you think Yes, absolutely. And as I think uh, rather than fighting against the stress, which creates even more stress, it's acknowledging it uh, to start with um, and understand how it's impacting them, you know, what their choices are, what, how they can manage the stress, mm -hmm. alleviate it um, if possible, and, and how to, um, you know, look after themselves where mm. they're going through this really difficult situation and again we're not here to give them a solution you know it's everybody is unique and it will find ways to uh, manage the stress in in a different way um that is very personal to them mm -hmm. so that's our what our role is okay so acknowledge the stress how does it manifest itself recognize it um, rather than fight against it. And once we um, understand how it's affecting us, then how then are we going to, to manage it? Mm -hmm. um, and here we're not, you know, we can't tell you, oh, you can do this or you can do that. It's really working with the patient to find it's ways very that it is, yes, very personal, person person, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 
And it's about empowering the person to, to find ways to, to help themselves, really. That, that, that's the, the main... And you've, you've mentioned it a couple of times there in that I suppose it's very important that you normalise the feelings mm. that people are going through, I suppose. It's, yes. it's kind of to, to say that there's nothing broken or wrong about feeling yeah, depressed or about feeling anxious, yeah. I suppose that's very yeah. important, isn't it? Yeah. I think what fertility problems can do for people is, is bring up all sorts of really difficult unexpected mm. feelings that they don't like having um, so not just feelings about themselves you know that there's something wrong with them or you know that they, their body isn't doing what it should do or they're letting their partner down but also feelings towards other people particularly if there's people around them getting pregnant mm. seemingly without any problem um, that brings up you know really difficult feelings for people where they're thinking hmm supposed to be happy for you but actually I'm really angry with you or mm-hmm. you know I'm, a sense of unfairness yeah. I suppose yeah. as well isn't yeah. it yeah so it, it can raise up lots of really difficult stuff mm-hmm. and, and conflicts in relationships so there's all kinds of things that can it can bring up for people that they weren't necessarily expecting you know mm-hmm. they come into it perhaps thinking it's a, a physical process you know mm-hmm. it's a series of, of physical interactions and treatments mm-hmm. that they're going to have but they're perhaps some people are taken by surprise by the kind of emotional impact yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah. Very sure. much so. And I think that's what worries people a lot. And mm. I think you probably would agree with me how many patients say, do you think I'm normal? Do you think mm. I'm going mad? I feel like I'm going crazy. This is not like me. Um, so I think this sense of normalising is very important, putting this emotional response in context, as in, well, in this situation, we can give you some understanding as to why you would respond this way. Um, and I think it's such a different experience as well. It, there is nothing in someone's life that would quite prepare them for this. Mm-hmm. They can't say, well, last time something like this happened to me, that's how I reacted. This is so unique and different to, you know, the, the, the previous experiences. Mm-hmm. They have not got often... Um, a reference point to compare yeah. it to oh. and that's what it's also quite difficult and it's isolating experience and people don't often talk about going through IVF mm-hmm. um, or different types of fertility treatments um, which means they, again they, there is no other comparison there really to think mm-hmm. oh well you know other people deal with this this way and that way and that's okay for me then to to feel the way I do um, and I think that that's the other you know difficult mm-hmm. I suppose it's a uh, kind of uh, surprising in the sense that I think we all to an extent grow up thinking that well it won't be an issue you know I'll just my, no, was, was my just parents didn't have a problem yeah. I'll just yeah. I'll just fall into childbirth <laughs> or childbirth sisters are like fine that. they conceive naturally mm-hmm. no problem so yeah I'm just going to say something along mm-hmm. those lines is that very few people expect to find themselves in, mm-hmm. in our clinic you know and, and actually it's quite a lot of people who do, you know, and as you say, we're very much brought up to to believe that we're in control of our fertility, of course, yeah. we can decide when we mm. have kids, you know, and, and there's so much emphasis on how not to get pregnant, you know, in that sense of that mm. this is what you have to do to avoid mm. being pregnant, and the implication is as soon as you stop doing that, you'll get pregnant. Mm. It's yeah. a bit of a shock yeah, yeah. when that doesn't yeah, happen. Yeah. Yeah. Just open the floodgates, mm. so to speak, mm. if you know what I mean, yeah, it'll mm. just happen. Okay, very interesting. Um, so moving on. Um, are there any other services that we offer other than the the direct counselling that we've that we've just discussed? We have um, we have patient support groups both mm. in Liverpool and in Knutsford. Um So and they're run by by uh, I, I run one of them. My colleague Karen runs the one in Knutsford. Um I say run by. I the way I kind of always put it is I kind of look after the group, but it's really a patient led support mm-hmm. group. And mm-hmm. so what we were saying before about this thing about normalising and, and, and offering kind of reassurance that you're not alone, I mm. think that's one of the things the support groups do is when people come 
either in person or they join the, the, the Facebook groups that run alongside, they get that reassurance that it's not just them, you know, and they can mm. talk to people who are really going through something very similar, mm. um, very openly and, and candidly and, and, and get that sort of mm. reassurance, oh, right, so it's not just me feeling this or... I suppose they can see examples of people surviving it yeah. as well if, yeah. they, if they feel yeah. like goals lost I suppose they can see other people who are yeah the nice thing about support groups I think is that what we what we get now is quite a range of patients so people are at the very beginning maybe have not had any kind of treatment yet they've just kind of maybe signed up to, to come in to see us and then there are people who have had treatment that's either been successful or not um, and you get that mix in the group so so you get a range of experience mm. which helps people to sort of say okay so it might go like this it might go like that you know but whatever it goes like I know there's somebody I can talk yeah. to who've had that yeah, experience yeah. so I think that's one of the the, the the really great things about the groups is that they offer that sort of reassurance that again that you're not alone um, and they want, they have their own Facebook groups as well don't they yeah there's the, the private sort of secret Facebook groups that I think people find very helpful because again then you can sort of because the groups themselves only meet once a month mm-hmm. uh, but if you want to have a chat with somebody at two o'clock in the morning you can probably do that because the groups the Facebook groups have got a lot more members than actually come along to the I was going to say I suppose it gives people a certain anonymity and distance which might yeah. be comfortable yeah. it might be better for people who are a little bit intimidated by yeah, groups are not for everybody yeah. I think also the Facebook groups allow people to kind of chat on, online and feel comfortable yeah. before they come to a group so quite often I've had people have turned up at the group and I'll say oh you've been before and they say no it's my first night but they come in and they're saying hi to everyone in the room like they know them because yeah. they've already spoken to them yeah, online yeah, you know? yeah, so yeah. it's a nice kind of way in yeah. And it offers that privacy because none of the staff members are on the uh, Facebook groups either. Yeah, that's so, right. And again, course, with the group yeah. itself, we have a guest speaker at the beginning of the evening and then I, I disappear and leave the group to speak amongst themselves because, again, I don't want to feel that they've, um, they've kind of... So it is very much a hands-off. Yeah, it's patient. Yeah, yeah. But as I say, it's, you know, we kind of facilitate, as in we, we, we get the speakers in, we set the room up, we kind of provide the refreshments and stuff, but we don't sit in and run the group itself. You know, mm. the, the, the group is kind of... A, to my mind, is a, a kind of private space for patients mm. to talk amongst themselves without a member of the clinic staff sitting listening in, you know, so mm. hopefully it frees them up because there might be things they want to say that they don't want me to hear and that's, that's okay. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And I suppose obviously engaging with other people in similar situations will allow them to, will hopefully allow them to bring more out of themselves and feel a little bit more comfortable to share more and more yeah. cathartic yeah. in that way, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. yeah, And it's good for information sharing as well, you know, because mm. obviously you mm. get patients who are very new uh, to come in and meet experienced patients, if you like, course, yeah. through the, yeah, the further down the journey, I suppose. Yeah, they can because often I think with new patients, I don't know if you find this, Patricia, mm. people are quite confused and not really sure what's going to happen, mm. even mm. though they might have had the DVD sent through, that you know they've looked online at our videos yeah. or they've sp- had a consultation. Mm. They can still be quite confused about yes. what's actually mm. going to happen mm. and what course, order. Yeah. And, what's it going to be like you know and yes. so yeah. to talk to somebody who's been there and done it but there's no substitute to speak mm. to experience yeah it gives a different yeah. perspective rather than the booklets and the DVD it's a huge mm. amount of information to process so yeah. you know, hearing it from it's a very know, personal experience they're on the go and it's yeah. better to have a personal interaction yes. to, to answer yeah. their questions I suppose isn't it you yeah. know anyone can watch a video but yeah um, so additional to the support groups we um, apart from the support group and the, the, the counselling as such we also offer John and I uh, mindfulness it, mindfulness is um, a, a way of uh, managing stress and anxiety um, and it's very um, it's been proven to, to be very useful in, in reducing uh, stress levels and, and depression as well as something we offer here John and I and um, if you're interested, you can contact the counselling services. Um, we provide this as a one-to-one session. 
Um, we are there to, to guide you through some exercises that will help you focus on uh, different aspects of your experience in the moment. It's very much focused on um, the physical sensations that you're experiencing in the, in the present. And it will help you uh, focus your mind and um, understand what your mind does a lot of the time um, because we are very busy thinking uh, what mindfulness does is um, help you being a bit more focused and a bit more mindful of um, your experience in the moment or and your thoughts. And it helps you manage your thoughts in some ways. Um, and as you're not kind of engaging in your thoughts um, as much, you have a little bit more choice in terms of what you're doing with, with your thinking. That's how mindfulness um, can help. Uh, because um, from this perspective, it's uh, thoughts that bring up a lot of stress, not just the situation, but what your, your thinking does with the situation. Um, so it's um, it's a bit tricky to learn, and that's um, you know that's where we, we come in really to, to guide you through some exercises that you can practice at home on your own. Um, and um, John, do you want to add anything about well, I, this I think, as well? Yeah, what 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 being in treatment here can do, I think, mm. for people often is that, that you spend a lot of time projecting forward or thinking backwards, mm. yeah, sort of looking back onto what you should have done or didn't do, thinking forward as to what's going to come, what's it going to be like, what's the outcome going to be, what if this happens, what if that happens. So people spend a lot of time either in the past or the future mm-hmm. and not in the present. And yeah. I guess what mindfulness tries to do is bring you back into the present moment mm. um, and just to focus on what's happening right now rather than spiralling off into a lot of anxiety about what might or might not happen. And it sounds future. to me like it, 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 it's, a, it's a, a toolkit as much as anything else to organise and mm. prioritise your thoughts and, uh, and deal with kind of maybe dismissing some of the mm. feelings, maybe maybe guilt or self-blame or things like that that some people may, may, may feel. Or yeah, it, it can be. And it, I think also it can just be about, it's that word acceptance again, is, mm. it, is it recognising that you know those things are going to be there and we can't mm. necessarily mm. banish them and, mm. and get rid, but just to kind of try and just see them in a slightly more neutral way maybe, mm. uh, be maybe less judgmental about ourselves because mm. it's easy mm. to kind of fall into that, isn't it, of blaming ourselves or feeling mm. bad, feeling mm. guilty and, and it's trying to kind of detach some of that from it and, and look at things a bit more neutrally and say, mm. okay, I'm feeling this but I'm also feeling that and there's also this going on, I'm thinking this, just recognising and noticing what you're thinking and feeling. And to try and maybe live in the present. Yeah. As you say, it's kind of looking back and looking forward to, to, to look in the present and I, I would imagine for people undergoing fertility treatment that idea of living in the present is very important don't worry too much about what the outcome might be don't worry too much about what may have led to you being in this situation just focus on where you are at what stage I suppose, yeah. and what you need in the in the and present moment yeah, yes yeah okay so moving on again um we've spoken very generally about counseling and the treatment that we offer patients but i think it's probably fair to say that when we have these discussions, most people maybe listening at home would automatically leap to the conclusion that we're speaking about women, women undergoing fertility treatments, and and you know, is it? It's obviously not only women that you treat, and, and what kind of services that you offer for men or for for other individuals. Well, we see um, women obviously, uh, but uh, we can see men on on their own, or we can see couples, uh, depending on on what the issues are and. Um, Often the uh, impact on men is underestimated or overlooked even, really. Most of the treatment is very much focused on the woman um, and it sometimes puts um, men in a position where they feel like 
Uh, they can't do anything or what they can contribute to is, is very little. Uh, sometimes the sense of feeling helpless and not being able to fix the situation or make things better. Or sometimes men might feel like they need to be the strong one. Um, so it's just the problem with that is that we, you know, when I say we, as a kind of a general term where we might see men as um, not needing as much support because mm -hmm. they are the ones who, you know, appear strong and the ones who, who, who want to kind of maybe help the situation. However, yes, there is still a huge emotional and psychological impact on men who are going through the treatment, um, which sometimes is overlooked as well. What would you like to...? Yeah, um, mm. and I think if you throw into that issues around if there is perhaps uh, a male factor mm. reason why people are here in the first place, mm -hmm. you know, that can add to that sense that, that the guy has kind of uh, failed in some way mm. and, you know, can't perform and do the same things that other men can do, mm. so that can impact on, you know, how he feels about himself. Um, uh, and, and as we mentioned before, the, the potential for difficulties in relationships to occur mm. as people go through treatment. So I think sometimes when people come as couples, it can be really helpful just to kind of have that space to talk that stuff out. Mm -hmm. Certainly a lot of couples I've spoken to have said that they don't really talk about this mm. at home. You yeah. know, there's lots of other things, reasons, <coughs> ways to avoid it. You can just get on with day-to-day with -day living and, and skirt around it and it becomes like the elephant in the room. And, mm -hmm. and sometimes people feel they, you know, and it helps to just come and sit in a room with a neutral third party mm -hmm. and just facilitate that conversation between them, really. Yeah, you know, and, and the, the tools and the obviously the abilities that you two have to be able to just kind of instigate that conversation and mm -hmm. to be able to get people talking as well, that mm -hmm. can help in a big way. And, and men, obviously, are... are unfortunately kind of pre-programmed to not talk about their feelings as much so they're in a way almost in need of your services more in that sense because they just, are more just reluctant. Just as much, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, definitely. Okay. Mm. Um, so final question of the afternoon. Um, aside from IVF patients, because we, again we have probably spoken uh, uh, very heavily about IVF patients, who is it that you treat? Obviously the Hugh Fertility Centre offices a wide range of fertility treatments for different people, not just mm -hmm. IVF, and I'm, I would imagine that's exactly the same for the counselling team. Yes, absolutely. So, um, well, we we see anyone who's coming through the the clinic uh, for for whatever reason under, undergoing any of the treatments. Uh, so, obviously, there's a wide range here, uh, uh, aside from um, IVF. Um, do you want to have a? Yeah, I mean, it, I, I guess I think we, I may have said earlier that counselling is a is an optional thing and we don't mm. not everyone has to have it I think this is a there's a situation where we do ask people to come and see a counsellor before going ahead and that would tend to be uh, if anyone was going to use anything donated to them during their treatment so people using donor sperm or donor eggs or embryos mm -hmm. equally also people donating sperm eggs or embryos so we ask them to come and see one of us for what we call implications counselling and that's not uh, it's not a kind of test or a, an assessment process it's just to make sure that we've helped people to understand the implications of using a donor or being a donor mm -hmm. um, I guess what we don't want people to do is go into that process and then further on start to regret it or feel that you know, it gets a shock or a surprise mm -hmm. or I didn't realise this could happen or I didn't know probably it. particularly yeah. so for egg and sperm donors because mm -hmm. of the, the lifelong implications yeah, of the, yeah exactly yeah. Yeah, for both donors and recipients so, so you know it's that, it's uh, people undergoing surrogacy treatment, mm -hmm. you know, single people undergoing treatment, same-sex couples, you know, we'd work with anyone who's going through, mm -hmm. the, through the door. So, mm -hmm. yes, as you say, it's not just heterosexual couples undergoing IVF, as mm -hmm. it were, um, but we'd see anyone who's 
who's coming through the door here and, and being patient with us. Mm. Uh, but yeah, particularly those implication sessions, I think, are really important. And, and we'd like to feel that they are uh, of value and helpful, I think. Sometimes people might see them as a bit of a, a hurdle, they've got to jump over to mm. get on. But, yeah. but, but we try and make it feel as if it's, it's helpful. And, and we Absolutely. have good feedback from them, don't we, that we people do. have. Mm. Sometimes you know, things come up in those sessions that people haven't thought about, and it gives mm. them just that space to kind of consider. And, and very occasionally people do change their minds about mm. going forward, and that's not what we're there for. You know, We're not there to kind of dissuade people or talk them mm. out of it or talk them into it. But sometimes just having that space and that, you know, to mm. say that third party, helping them to think through the implication of, of what they're and doing. And there's a, res- a, a, a moral and ethical responsibility there for Absolutely. us to offer that, isn't there? That yeah. we're not, we're not, obviously we're not pushing people into it, but we're also actively making sure that people are yes. psychologically, physically prepared for what yeah. they're about Absolutely. to do. Yeah. Sometimes I think donor options are, are held up as almost a, a, maybe like a solution if people have mm. gone through unsuccessful treatment using their own eggs or their own sperm and then suddenly there's this carrot dangled if well, you could mm. use a donor and it's like, oh, people might just grab at that and go, yeah, mm. okay, let's do that it's without not necessarily everybody. thinking through mm-hmm. you know, it's not for what everybody. that means. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think it's really helpful just to have that pause really and for us to kind of come in at that point and say, okay, you're going for this, let's mm. look at what that means for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to do it just because it's available. That's it. I think it's trying to kind of um, look at a, a, a broader perspective and, and looking at the, the wider implications, like you said, you know, the lifelong implications, mm. not just for the couple or uh, the, the person on their own looking at having treatment, but also for the family they're trying to create and mm. the children as well, looking at the children's perspective. Um, so we are trying to kind of have a look at uh, the, the broader implications from different perspectives. Again, not trying to say one thing is right or one thing is wrong, but it's about making sure a person or a couple is making a you know fully informed decision. Mm-hmm. And when we're talking about information, it's not the just the information they receive from us and the consultants, but the information they know from themselves, you know how they feel about it. Um, it also gives the uh, patients an opportunity to talk about any concerns um, they might not have the chance to, you know, talk about or ask questions um, uh, that raise, you know, some anxiety. So it's it's that's what we mean by information, really, not mm-hmm. not just facts, but also, you know, um, a wider and deeper understanding of um, uh, of implications for themselves and the family. Really, they 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 are trying to create this way. The, mm. the kind of the legacy. Yeah. Okay, guys. Well, that's been very, very informative. Thank you for spending some time with us this afternoon. Thank you. You're welcome.